Welcome to One Cause Church. We are pleased to share another inspirational sermon from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We are in the book of Joel. I'm not, not putting any of that on the podcast. You know, I'm not just start right here. All right. <laughs> Actually, I don't care. I don't care. The world needs to hear it. Amen. If you love them, you will discipline them. Amen. All right, let's go to Joel now. Joel, we are in the book of Joel for our Route 66 series, and I'm very excited to... uh... One more thing, just right quick. When we were kids, his dad would whip me, and my dad would whip him. That's, that's That's how often spankings were handed out. All right, you want to somebody out? Their parents had the right to whip you. It's incredible, isn't it? That's that's even that's not even heard of in our society today, is it? I go over to his house. His dad would always take me to his refrigerator, where he had. He'd say, "Boys, come here. Take me and my brother." As soon as we walk into Potsy's house, and his dad would say, "Look over here," and he would show us a note on the refrigerator, handwritten from my dad. You have permission to beat my boys if they disobey. <laughs> and he would take it. He would just show us to us, and he'd smile at us and like, "Yes, sir. Don't want any of that." His dad was a big monster. He used to carry milk crates around for however many years he worked for the milk company. So we didn't want any part of his dad whipping us. Anyway, that's just the way it was. So Joel is an interesting book. Joel is a, is a, is a powerful, it's three chapters. It's three chapters. And, and Joel is, um, <clears throat> I want to give you just some facts and figures about this book so you can learn a little bit about it, about the history of, of the book of Joel um, before we really get into it. Uh, his, uh, Joel by name is referred to only in, once in the New Testament by his name, and that is in the book of Acts chapter 2. Do you remember when Peter stood up? And we'll get into that in just a moment when he said, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. Also, we see the apostle Paul who doesn't name Joel, but he does reference Joel in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 that says, uh, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a direct quote from Joel chapter 2 and verse 32. Um, Joel means, I love the name Joel, I love the meaning of it, it means the Lord is God or Jehovah is God. There were several men in the Old Testament, you could read, I don't know, somewhere around a dozen men whose names were Joel. This author identifies himself only as the Joel, as Joel, the son of Pethuel, and we don't even know who Pethuel is, so that doesn't really help us uh, much there either. Uh, but even the name of his father is not mentioned elsewhere throughout the Old Testament. So although he displayed a great zeal for the, the, the temple sacrifices he, he and for the priesthood and all those things, it's not likely he was actually a priest himself. Um, the context of, of the prophecy hints that he was Judean and that he was from in the vicinity of Jerusalem itself. Now, there's a lot of controversy over when this book was actually written, the date of it. Uh, a lot of the other prophets are easy and clear to figure out because of the kings they mentioned during that time. Or He doesn't mention any kings uh, during this time. Uh, Joel also is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and the only thing that we can depend on is, is its position in the canon of Scripture. Uh, also the fact that his style is much like that of Hosea and Amos. As a matter of fact, there are some Scriptures that mirror one another between Joel and and Amos, almost exactly word for word. So a lot of similarities there. He never mentions Babylon, Persia, or Assyria, as a lot of the other prophets do. So that they believe, scholars believe that he's before um, Israel went into captivity. All right? So somewhere around uh, 
the 9th century BC, maybe 835 to 800, somewhere around there, okay? That's, that's their best guess. And I think that they've got some pretty good reason for um, bringing it down to those dates, narrowing it down to that. But the message of Joel is timeless and forming doctrine which could be repeated and applied in any age of mankind. Um, so it opens up, talking about this long drought, this extended uh, drought and massive invasion of these locusts uh, that have stripped every green thing from the land and brought severe economic devastation uh, to the people, leaving the southern kingdom completely weak. Remember, we talked about the southern kingdom and Judea being the capital there. Uh, so I don't know if you guys remember, some of you might remember this song that we used to sing when we were younger. It was called Blow the Trumpet in Zion. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm in my... Okay, so it was like they rush on the city, they run on... It was all about locusts. I don't know, I don't mean to pop your bubble, and maybe that was your favorite song, but wasn't really contextually well written. The song wasn't, uh, it was actually about this invading army of locusts. God was calling them his army, all right? And they, he utters his voice, and this army of locusts has come because judgment has come to them because of their sins. It's interesting, too, that Joel doesn't uh, mention any specific sins of the people. He just says they need to repent from their sins and turn back to God. So it doesn't seem like they're caught up in idolatry. Maybe it's just the sin of complacency. I don't know. But somehow they were not in a good place, even though Judea was, uh, uh, for the most part, besides the drought before that happened, was quite a prosperous uh, place. But the theme of this book, and you'll see this phrase five different times in the book of Joel, and it is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. It's very first mentioned by Obadiah the prophet, but Joel takes it to the extreme. It's over and over, the day of the Lord. You can find that in chapter 1, three times in chapter 2, and finally in chapter 3. Now, it doesn't have reference to a chronological time period, that is the day of the Lord, but to a general period of wrath and judgment uniquely belonging to the Lord. The day of the Lord does not always refer to an eschatological event, or for those of you who are from Oklahoma like me, end-time event. <laughs> it doesn't always have to do with, with the end, and, or the very last day, judgment day, but... Uh, it seems to almost like run on, like, the, when you read Joel, you can kind of see it as two wheels, all right? And both wheels, one wheel is, is the, um, the nation of Israel, natural judgment coming to the people during that time. And then the other wheel would be eschatological. It would be one that was locked up for later times, for the end. And the hub of that wheel would be the day of the Lord, all right? So Joel kind of works, a lot of Old Testament prophecy works like that, um, but some of the have viewed what happened in Acts chapter 2. Uh, remember when he talked about Joel's prophecy in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and Peter quoted that in Acts chapter 2. Uh, some believe that, that he was talking about um, the, the Holy Spirit coming and then when, uh, in A.D. 70 when Jerusalem was, was wiped out um, by uh, Titus. So Joel is it's arranged in three basic categories. Um, in the first section, the prophet describes the contemporary day of the Lord, God visiting the, them with his wrath at this time and his judgment. The land is suffering from massive devastation by those locusts. And the details of the calamity um, are, are followed by a summons for them to repent 
and to bring reformation back to the land. The second section provides a tr transition from the historical plague of these locusts um, described in, in chapter 1 to a more end-time kind of event being the day of the Lord. So in the third section, the Lord speaks directly, assuring His people of His presence now among them. And so that, that's basically how you can wrap it up. You can say like the Lord, He gives three promises in the very last chapter, material blessing or material restoration, that is, that the, their land would be healed from the destruction from the locusts. Number two, spiritual restoration, that is, through the outpouring of the Spirit. And number three, a national restoration where through His judgment on the, all the unrighteous nations to defend Israel. So that's basically the facts about Joel, just a brief uh, snapshot of it. But now I want to get into the memo tonight, all right? Are you ready for the mem memento, I mean, I should say? Yeah. Let's go to Joel chapter 2. And we're going to pick up in verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. All of our section is going to be taken from chapter 2 tonight, our, our, our memento, our attraction, and the person of Jesus. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain faithfully, and He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Do you remember at the very beginning of this year when I talked to you about having this expectation found in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3? Call to me and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And we just started putting our expectation on not living life as we have, maybe in the normal sense, with the same expectations, with the same results. We want to see God do something mighty and great that we don't know about. Can I get a good amen tonight? Am I talking to the same? Is this one cause church I'm at tonight? Okay. Because God is saying, I'm going to do something beyond the norm for you. You're going to get rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the same month. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm going to speed things up for you. How many of you need something sped up? You've, I mean, you've become used to a system, but I'm not going to use a system. I'm going to use my spirit. And this is going to be supernatural means that are going to happen for you. Supernatural timing, supernatural provision, supernatural speeding up. Amen. I'm going to reveal myself to you not through that, but through the spirit. I'm going to bring that which is, has taken months, days. I'm going to bring it to days and hours and minutes. The former and the latter rain in the same month. Let me say this tonight. Your harvest is moving faster and closer to you than ever before. Amen. I said your harvest Amen. is moving faster yeah. Yeah. and closer to you than ever before. Amen. I believe that God is wanting to show you exponential power. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Instantaneous power. Sudden power. Verse 24, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat. These are, these are the promises what God says I'm available to do and what I can do and what I will do. The threshing floors will be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Let me say this. This is, this is what this means for you tonight. Your days of lack are over. All right? Wherever, that, wherever you have lack in your life, I'm not talking about just financially. I'm saying whatever your life, maybe it's, maybe it's peace of mind. Huh? Maybe you're lacking in a relationship. Maybe you're lacking in your health. But those, your days of lack are over. Right, Say that. Say, my days of lack are over. 
Amen. Verse 25, so I will restore you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Now listen, he names these locusts out. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Don't you like that? He, it's, it's, uh, he alliterated his points. What do you think of that? The crawling, the consuming, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. So no matter how or why you've endured years of loss, or loss of years, God is going to make it up to you. That's what he's saying. Hey, listen, why did the locusts come? Because they screwed up, right? Because they sinned. But this is what God says. Even though this is your fault, even though you're the one that made these bad decisions, I'm going to restore to you. My God. You know, it'd be, we would think it would be fine. It would be just if God did something for, like that for us because it was something we couldn't help. No, he's saying, you're the one that messed all this up, but you know what? I'm still going to show kindness to you. I'm still going to be merciful to you, and I'm going to restore to you because his grace is greater than our sin. Thank God. So no, no matter how many years you've lost, he's restoring them back to you. And let me say this to you tonight, my family. You shall recover all. You shall recover all. Because it is God's will that you lack no good thing. Hmm? Amen. In an instant, in an instant, he turned water into wine. He turned water into aged wine by that, by the way. Huh? In an instant. He can restore it in, in an instant. All right? Don't get caught up looking at how long you have to wait. Don't get caught up in a system mentality. Think it's not by might. It's not by power, it's by His Spirit. Lord, I want the supernatural working in my life. I want that exponential working in my life. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting that which I would normally have to wait for to be right here at my doorstep now. Amen. I believe that God wants to release that in your life, release those suddenly moments in your life. Anybody expect that tonight? Verse 20, when I was preparing this, I just felt, I just really felt this prophetic edge to this message tonight. And I feel like the Lord is, is more, than, more than ever before in your life going to show himself strong on your behalf. Look for it because it's, it's coming. Expect it. You shall eat, verse 26, in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Did you hear that? My people shall never be put to shame. In other words, he's saying if you'll believe in me, you won't get embarrassed. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to make you look like a fool in front of everybody because those outlandish things that you've said, they've all mocked you and said, yeah, whatever. I'm telling you, I'm not going to let you be put to shame. That's what he's saying. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I'm in the midst of your life. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. In other words, he's saying your restoration is imminent. Your recovery is imminent. Your provision is imminent. And as Joshua Joshua told the people of Israel in his dying words, he said, all of you know that everything that God promised us has come to pass. Not one word has failed. And he won't fail you either. 
He will not. He will not let you be put to shame. It won't happen. Now let's go to, down to verse 28 of the same chapter. There's a lot in that memento there. You just have to maybe listen to the podcast again or something. A lot of things to take from that. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. You know, my dad was talking to a man years ago. He was a, he was a uh, pastor of a denominational church, one that doesn't believe in tongues and prophecy and those kinds of things that they're relevant for today. And so he was talking to this pastor. This pastor actually started the conversation with him. And he said, see, Pastor John, he said, here's the problem. Here's the difference between you and us. He said, when it says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, he said, that word prophecy can also mean preach. It can just be as simply as heralding. It doesn't necessarily mean what you guys think it means, like a foretelling or, or revealing the secrets. That can just be preaching. And Dad said, I'll go with you on that. Where are your women preachers then? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, but you don't let them do that in your denomination. Okay. So unreasonable. Denominations are unreasonable. There are no denominations in heaven. How can they be God's will? How can they be God's will? Okay. Watch this. I will pour out of my spirit, out my spirit on all, all what? Flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants. In other words, it's not just for the landowners, it's also for the land workers. It's for the common people too. This is for all flesh. This is for all. All those in, in every economic status. Hallelujah. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Or one version says the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now, we, I want to cross-reference with Acts chapter 2 for a moment. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 14. But Peter, standing up, now this is, well, let me just give you the first few verses. Uh, it's, uh, Acts 2 opens up, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Uh, uh, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. Uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so that's like the first four verses. So we understand that this amazing thing happened. So now these 120 people who have gathered there are now speaking in other tongues, and there are people on the outside listening to them, watching them, going, what is all this about? So now Peter, a uh, few of them were uh, accusing them of being drunk. So Peter is, stands up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Verse 15, for these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only 
the third hour of the day or 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Or this, the King James Version says, this is that. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Now, here's the difference. Now, you, you understand that when you became a child of God, you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you became a whole new creation, that His Spirit came and lived on the inside of you and still lives on the inside of you, right? So that is, that is in you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So there's this indwelling of the Spirit. But this is a different deal. This is a different manifestation of the Spirit. He said, I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. So we have an indwelling through salvation, and we have an ondwelling through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that we know it's on the flesh is because the mouth is affected. The tongue is affected. That's evidence that it has come on the flesh itself. All right, everybody got this? Okay. Uh, where are we? What verse are we on? Huh? Oh, yeah. I, 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 it, mm-hmm, yes. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass... Maybe slow down on the coffee, holler. Actually, my tongue wants to speak in tongues right now. I'm like, just get it out. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Watch this. Now, the Bible predicts days. The Bible predicts days as in the early days, or the middle days, the latter days, or the last days, okay? And, and it's very specific. Now, we don't, even, we don't necessarily maybe know when, when those days started, or, but we do know that the Bible does mention those things. And we're not even sure when the last day started. We believe it probably started right after the resurrection of Jesus. All right? So Peter is there making mention of the last days, maybe that being the beginning of the last days, somewhere around there. But if <laughs> we've gone a long way since then, right? Since, since Peter set that marker, right, as the last days, we're 2,000 years beyond that. That means we are a lot closer to the last day. You guys know there is a last day coming. That day is the day of the Lord. But I don't believe that the last days are going to be dismal days. I don't believe the last days are going to be, are, are going to be crippling and, 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 and terrible and, and doom and gloom. I believe the, these days are the days of the power of the Holy Spirit in God's people, in win, men and women and boys and girls. Amen. That's what he's talking about. That I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Uh, Joel says pillar of smoke, vapor of smoke, basically the same thing. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass it. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Blood, fire, and smoke. Blood, fire, and smoke. Now, if we don't, if we don't really get what this is saying, uh, we, we can, we can kind of lose heart. It sounds very gloomy, doesn't it? Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be darkened and the moon turned to blood. And the reason that many times that strikes some kind of fear in us or you, we think, well, that's ominous sounding is because we've heard so many preachers preach it that way with fear. But I want to just give maybe some clarity. Can I give you a different angle tonight on this? 
Huh? A, gr- a grace-filled, a Jesus-filled angle on this? All right. When is, when, when is this going to happen? When did he say it was going to happen? In the last days. Right? In the last days, it's going to happen. And as a result of this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, is that true today? Yeah, Paul said it in Romans chapter 10. We understand that that's relevant right now. So there had to be something preceding whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What was it? First, the blood. The blood is speaking of the blood of Jesus that would come and wash away all of our sins. He would pour that blood out, and by that, He redeemed us from our sins. We have been washed. We have been covered in that blood, if you will. Fire. Well, John said in, in, in Luke 3, 16, uh, um, uh, uh, I indeed baptize you with water, but there is one mightier than I who's coming, uh, the, the, the latchet of whose sandal I'm not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we saw in Acts chapter 2 that says, There appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire and one set up on each of them. Right? So the fire here has to be talking about tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Smoke. What smoke? Well, there ain't smoke unless there is first a fire. The smoke is your witness. All right? Witness that there's a fire in you. Jesus even said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power, and you will be what? My witnesses. Blood, smoke, and fire. Blood, fire, and smoke. The blood of Jesus. The fire of the Holy Spirit and your witness. Now watch this. Let's keep looking at this. Now this is going to happen before Jesus comes back because it says before the great and awesome day of the Lord. The great and awesome day of the Lord is that last day. Let's go to Genesis chapter 37. I want to talk about this sun and moon for a moment. We're almost through. You've only been in church 59 minutes. We were just getting started when I was growing up. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right? How many know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It was very normal to have a two to two and a half hour church service. Very normal. I'm, I'm not saying I want that again. Please don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm just saying. All right. And some of you, hey, listen to it. I, 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 know, I don't know where all you came from, but I do know this. Some of you were just now starting to get ready to go out back in the day when you weren't living for the Lord. Huh? Come on. Oh. So it's been such a long day. Yeah, okay. Remember where you were. Remember where you came from party was just getting started. Okay, then he dreamed of still another. Now, this is talking about Joseph. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me, verse 10. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what? (laughs) They rebuked him, remember, even though, could he really help having a dream? 
What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down? What did, what did Jacob just tell him the sun, the moon, the stars were? Jacob just said, I'm the sun, my wife's the moon, and my children are the stars. Okay, so now we're going to let the Bible interpret itself, all right? Now let's go back over here to Joel or Acts, either one. Verse 20 of chapter 2, Lisa. And this is where we're going to find the person of Jesus right here. The son who is who? Jesus shall be turned into darkness and the moon, who's the moon? His bride, into blood. The son, he who knew no sin, became sin for us. The sin center of the universe. And the sun went dark. We were covered by blood. So that in that great and terrible and awesome day of the Lord, that's why John said, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because when we stand before Him, He looks upon us and He sees a blood-washed church, a blood-washed bride and says, there's no judgment here. Come on in. Hallelujah. The sun shall be turned into darkness. That was worth coming to church for right there. He accomplished this before that great and awesome judgment day so that we stand in boldness on that day. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that. Why is this name so powerful? Because His name is how you apply that blood. Now, I hope I don't step on any toes tonight. But part of my upbringing was in a, in a Pentecostal upbringing. And it was a bit wild at times. And I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't trade most of it. For, I mean, I appreciate my, my rich heritage and the, the things of the Spirit. But there were these phrases that we, I, I remember hearing as a kid, and like, like this one. Well, I plead the blood. I just plead the blood. We, we're pleading the blood over everything. Everything. We plead the blood over. We plead the blood over that. We plead the blood over. We plead the blood over this. We plead the blood over that. Plead the but there's no Scripture that teaches us to plead the blood. Not one verse of Scripture. I fled the blood. I didn't know what I was doing. I just did it because that's what I heard other people doing. And the reason that maybe you've done it, not, I don't need to show of hands tonight. I don't want you to feel guilty or anything. I'm just saying the reason that you've done it is because that's what somebody taught you to do. But we didn't learn it from Scripture. Jesus never told anybody, now you need to plead the blood. When this happens, you need to plead the blood. You need to plead my blood. And you never hear the disciples ever even mentioning it, practicing it, or teaching it. And especially the Apostle Paul to us Gentiles never once said you need to plead the blood. But we do have a name that we're, supp we're supposed to call upon. And Jesus said, in my name. 
you'll cast out devils. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick. In my name, you'll raise the dead. In my name, you will speak in new tongues. Whatever you ask the Father, in my name. Because when you speak the name, that's where the blood is applied. Can you receive that tonight? Well, Pastor Eric, I'm going to keep pleading the blood. Well, you keep on doing it. I don't care. Just telling you it's not scriptural. That's all. You want to live in your own experience? That's fine. No, no qualms here. We already took up the offering, so. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.